Second Peter chapter one or chapter two. This is the third in a series of, uh, and we are in verse one. And it says, "But false prophets also arose among the people." First of all, first thing I want you to know about this verse: Peter's letter was specifically uh, written to the Israelites, to Jewish people, so they know the Jewish people about false prophets rising among the people. In the previous chapter, Paul had just said, in verse 21, that men of God, moved by the Holy Spirit of God, wrote the scriptures that he's talking about, where these false prophets are that he's talking about, the people of God. The Israelites, when they came out of Egypt, he says, uh, and even after they came out of Egypt and they settled in the land of Canaan, he said, false prophets arose under there, as you well know. So if you're a student of the Bible, you know about these things. In uh, Deuteronomy chapter 13, this is the, uh, the name Deuteronomy means the second giving of the law. And after 40 years of wandering in the desert, they're ready to go into the land of Canaan and conquer it. And Moses says, uh, here's something I want to remind you of. He goes through everything just about. In chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, Moses instructs the people, says, If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods, which you have not known. Let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. Listen to these words. Because the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Isn't that amazing? God says people are going to rise up and give out false information claiming to be my spokespeople. And I'm going to let that happen, God says, to test you. Find out whether you love God or not. God tests us? Well, yes, He does. Of course He does. You have tests in school, didn't you? And you had to pass them. And you had to get a certain grade. And God wants to, wants to know that we love Him. God wants to know that we love God. What else could we do? I mean, He's given us so much. We ought to love Him. But listen to what happens in verse 14. He says, if a false prophet arises among you, kill him. Oh, that's pretty harsh. He's just telling us, you know, some, he's you're God, you're testing us. And God says, no, kill that person. Really? Wow, that's pretty, pretty harsh. Because God says it's an abomination or a detestable action. If you're a student of the Bible and you know uh, Numbers chapter 22 uh, the uh, Balak, the king of uh, wherever it was, he comes to Balaam, who's a prophet. He says, Balaam, help. There's these people, they've come out of Egypt and they're, 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 they're just overwhelming everyone and I want you to come and curse them. Those things work, you know. Says, I want you to come and curse them. And Balaam says, well, let me ask God. God says, no, don't do that. Okay. They come back, hey, Balaam, we're going to give you more stuff, more money. We'll make you rich. We'll put you on TV. <laughs> no. God says, no. Finally, Balaam said, God tells Balaam, okay, go with him, but only tell him what I tell you. 
hearts. And Balaam says, okay, I'll go with you, but I can only say what God tells me to say. And he goes and he blesses them. He cannot curse them because they're God's people. Glory to God. That's a good thing to know. That people can't curse you because you are God's people. You're bought with the blood of Jesus, which has more power than anything on earth. Hallelujah. He's even mentioned, Balaam is mentioned in Peter's letter, the second letter uh, in uh, chapter 2 and verse 15. But we're not going that far today, so I'll leave that for Pastor Wayne next week. Jude also warns believers about false teachers. He says that there were false prophets among the people just as there will be false teachers among you. And this is how you can tell them. They will secretly bring in destructive heresies and in some translation that's translated as damnable heresies in the King James or they will uh, bring in their own destructive teachings or dangerous teachings or fatal divisions. That's how you know that they're false teachers. They want to try and divide people's opinions in the church. If it's a, a denomination or if it's a small church or large church, that's how you know that they're false teachers because they're trying to divide people. If you've ever been through a church split, it's terrible, terrible thing that happens. It's like a, a divorce in a family. It just it tears people and it takes a long time to be healed from that. Another way you'll know that there are false teachers is they will deny the master who bought them. How many know? Remember what Peter did. Jesus said, three times the rooster's going to crow and you're going to deny me. And Peter says, I'll go with you to the death. And okay, sure, sure you will. And he follows along after Jesus gets arrested and he denies Jesus three times. He denies him before the rooster crows. And the Bible says in Luke's gospel that Peter turns and Jesus looks at him after the third denial. Goes out, weeps bitterly. But thank God, God is the God of restoration. And eventually, after the resurrection, Jesus comes to Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he restores him and has that relationship with him again. You know, there's uh, ways you can deny Jesus. You could not say anything about Jesus. And... But we'll go get to that in just a moment. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 10, when it talks about bringing upon themselves swift destruction, God says, or Moses speaking for God, says that God repays those that hate him. To their faces. Jeremiah chapter 28. There's a false prophet named Hananiah. And he prophesies. And Jeremiah says. Okay dude. Big guy. You think you're a prophet? So many words. This is the paraphrase. Coble translation. He's, Jeremiah says alright. Basically he says. Here's the test. When the word of the prophet comes to pass. The prophet will be known as the one. Whom the Lord has truly sent. And no prophecy or scripture in chapter 1 of Peter's letter, verse 21, no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. Somebody once said, uh, uh, you know, opinions are like armpits. Everybody has them and they stink. 
But why would I say that? Because a lot of people have opinions about what God says. I remember working with one fellow and he says, Oh, I think that God weighs your good deeds and your bad deeds. And then, you know, if, if you're okay, you're, you're okay. <laughs> that's very funny. And it's sad that a lot of people think like that. And I told him, I said, you know, that's a popular misconception. And he goes, whoa, that's a big word. Yeah, it's a popular misconception that God weighs your good deeds and your bad deeds because how many know the scripture plainly says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. No one can do enough good deeds because we're not saved by our works. We're not saved by our good deeds. We're saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not by what we do. Otherwise, we'd have something to boast about. And how many know the only thing worth boasting about is that you know Jesus. In Acts chapter 20, Paul is uh, giving his farewell speech to the Ephesian church and he warns them. He says, I know and I tell you now, even weeping, that after I leave, ravenous wolves will come in, bringing false doctrines. Ravenous wolves. Wolves are wild animals. And when they get hungry, they kill things and eat them. And tear them up. Some of the uh, I looked something up on uh, Google. And uh, <clears throat> well no it wasn't. It was Wikipedia. <laughs> Heresies. At the time of Paul the Apostles writing this, there were about 17 different heresies already circulating around the Christian world. Among them were the Gnostics. They emphasized personal knowledge over orthodox teachings. In other words, they got their own special revelations. Ooh, I got a special revelation from God. I don't care. And these people had the idea and the attitude that I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care what the truth is. I got my own personal revelation. How many have met people that they have no regard for the truth? Oh, that's your truth. Well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Or one of the dumbest things. Truth is not a personal choice. Truth is truth by its nature. You can't decide what's true and what's not. If something is true, it's true no matter what people think. It has nothing to do with opinion. It has everything to do with what is truth. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 7 verses 15 through 20. Jesus himself says, Beware of false prophets or false teachers who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. And then every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. There was another, uh, as part of the um, uh, heresy of the uh, Gnostics was that they uh, had, uh, as it says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 23, they have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism. 
And I had to look that word up as a big word, asceticism and severity to the body. And asceticism is strict self-denial. It's kind of like um, these people that uh, hermits or, uh, excuse me, they'll live uh, uh, the life of a monk. I heard a funny story about a monk that went to this one uh, monastery and had a vow of silence. Couldn't say anything for 10 years. Every 10 years, you'd come in and, and you'd talk to the head guy and and I said, well, what do you think? Ah, the food's lousy. Oh, okay. Go back another 10 years. 10 years later, he's there 20 years. Well, what do you think now? Says, the bed's hard. Oh, okay. Goes back. Another 10 years, comes back. He's been there 30 years. And the head guy says, what do you think now? Says, Man, uh, it's cold here all the time. He says, you know, I don't want to be here anymore. So what do you expect? You've been complaining for 30 years. <laughs> Of course you didn't like it. Because these people try and have the idea that if they oh, just get their flesh under control and they live as, as best they can, you know, and they, they deny themselves and, and uh, they take these vows and they, and they live in a monastery and they're, and they're so holy that they're going to be, you know, uh, closer to God than anyone else. I used to think that way. I used to think before I got saved, I was a strict vegetarian. I would eat eggs and cheese, but... No meat, and no one can cook any meat in any of my frying pans. And I thought, being a vegetarian, you know, I'm not killing any animals, so um, I thought that made me closer to God and, and holier. And <laughs> There's no such thing. doesn't make me holy just by being a vegetarian, and if you're a vegetarian, that's fine. But it doesn't get you closer to God and doesn't give you any favor with God. There's another one called antinomianism, whatever, antinomianism. And that was where Romans chapter 6, Paul says in verse 1, that people are accusing me of saying, let us abound in sin so that grace can abound. Let's continue sinning so grace will abound. That was another heresy. Another one was that the flesh, the body is corrupt. But it's the Spirit that gives life. Yes, it's true the Spirit gives life. But people took it too far and they said, well, well, if the flesh is corrupt, well then Jesus couldn't have been real human. And that's a heresy. Of course he was. Jesus was man and God at the same time. The Bible clearly states that in him the, all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily. That Jesus was God on earth in the human body. He had to become a human like us in order to pay for our sins. Jesus went through everything that any human being will ever suffer. Every temptation. Everything. The Bible says that he took upon himself the sin of the whole world. I don't completely understand that. I wish I had better understanding of that, but... He even took all of our sicknesses, all of our pains, our sorrows, took them on himself, suffered everything that anyone will ever go through. And he did it as a human. Somebody told me, well, he was God. He didn't feel a thing. <laughs> really? I don't think so. How many has ever been uh, bit by uh, uh, anything that hurt you? I got bit on the foot by an ant one time. Actually, they don't bite. They bite and then they sting. Some of these ants around here are really nasty. It was so painful. I had ice on my foot. I had my foot up in the air for hours. 
And then all of a sudden I felt this pain in my belly and I thought, uh-oh, what's that? <laughs> and then I felt it in my chest and I said, oh no, I got to go to the ER? No, I took a Benadryl and I was okay. <laughs> oh. So I felt some pain, but Jesus experienced it all. And then, <clears throat> Jesus, Peter says that they'll deny the master. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him or her, I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But in verse 33, Jesus says, But whoever denies me before men, him I also or her will deny before my Father who is in heaven. And in Strong's Dictionary, it says that this is a someone who will disavow or reject Jesus. Mark and Luke's gospel, they use the word ashamed. Whoever is ashamed of Jesus before people. Hallelujah. How many know sometimes you have to tell people about Jesus? You can talk about God to people all day long. And they might listen to you. They might enjoy the conversation. But you start talking to them about Jesus. And something different happens in the conversation. They either reject Jesus or they want to know more. Jesus bought everyone. He paid the price for every soul. Even the ungodly. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul writes in verse 20, You were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Hallelujah. Here's another way to know. Uh, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. The wicked... In his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. Or, could translate it another way, all of his thoughts are, there is no God. Anybody ever met somebody like that? There's no God. I've had conversations like that, but there's no God. And actually, in one of the uh, uh, Psalms in the Old Testament, it says that the wicked says, there is no God, but there is in italics, and so those two words are added to the Scripture. And what the Scripture really says, the wicked says, no, God. God speaks to people. God deals with people and they say no. They deny the Master who, brought, who bought them, purchased them, and they bring upon themselves swift destruction. Thank God that God is patient. Hallelujah. God is so patient. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Glory to God. But unfortunately, some people just keep going headlong to swift destruction. <clears throat> Hopefully that bothers you that people are dying and going to hell. People are ruining their lives. I met a young man down at the gas station. He's begging for money. And I told him, you know, God loves you. He says, oh, yeah. I gave him a card. Yeah, we go have a church in Moran. Oh, yeah, I got family in Moran. I said, oh, really? Jen said, you know, that Jesus Christ can set you free. He says, yeah, but, <clears throat> you know, I'm addicted to meth. I love it. I said, yeah, but it's ruining your life. It's destroying you. Your family's ashamed of you. You're living out here in the street, and you're having fun. Well, I'm <laughs> He's addicted to his meth. But Jesus can set him free. And the man, the young man, he's on a road to destruction. And he doesn't care. He can't get set free. But Jesus can set him free if he would. In Numbers chapter 16, 
uh, a group of guys, 250 of the elders of Israel come to Moses and they say, Moses, <clears throat> you're taking too much on yourself. You're too much of a big shot. And Moses says, sorry guys, but you know, God put me here. Okay, well, we're going to have a test. If the earth opens up and swallows you guys alive, <clears throat> then you'll know that God put me here. And guess what happened? There was an earthquake. The earth opened up, swallowed those guys, and covered them up, and everybody fell on their faces. God is God. <laughs> so be careful what you say about people who love God, who are in authority over you. Praise God. Because God puts them there. In Jude, chapter, or there is no chapter. Jude's just one letter. Verse 4. Certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. In Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3. Here's how you know that the um, people who are leading are telling you the truth. One of the ways, you will keep this person in purpose, perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And when it's talking about being stayed on God, it means to lean upon or take hold of. To establish. God wants to establish each and every one of us in perfect peace, in perfect relationship with Him. And we do that several ways. One, by reading the Bible for yourself, seeing if what Pastor Wayne and I are teaching and what we learn in uh, Wednesday night Bible study is really in the Bible, and having your own relationship with God. Korah's rebellion. And these things are written for our examples. Many will follow their sensuality because, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. How many has heard, I know there's been uh, men of God who were famous that stumbled and fell, and uh, all oh, them preachers are all like that. They all do this and that and the other thing, and they're all, they're no good. And it does damage. I don't know if you, most of you are, were not alive when um, the uh, tragedy occurred in Jonestown, Guyana. Uh, but here was a guy, Jim Jones, who used to be a man of God, and he got a bunch of people down there, and he went nuts. And he had over 900 people commit suicide. They followed his sensuality. I read that this individual, Jim Jones, was uh, committing adultery like crazy down there. It's like, but, duh, you know, you're not supposed to, the Bible says, be faithful to your own wife or husband. And this guy, something was wrong there, but these people couldn't escape. Unfortunately, many followed him. In the King James, it says they're pernicious ways. And I thought, well, that's a really interesting word. Years ago, I had a cut on my thumb. And I cut it with my pocket knife. It still didn't work. And I bit it with my mouth. And it got infected. And I know this, this sounds disgusting, but yellow pus came out from underneath my skin here. And I called the doctor and I said, hey, doc, I, this, I described everything. He said, oh, he says, that sounds like pernicia. I said, pernicia, what's that? It's a, uh, uh, something that lives in the 
the bacteria of your mouth and uh, it causes infection. It was awful, disgusting. And I thought, pernicious ways, these are people who are sweet, smooth talkers. And, they're trying, and they try and get people to follow them outside of the will of God. Saying, oh, it's okay, you know. The uh, um, Greek word for this is actually uh, the Greek word apolia, which means ruin. The oldest manuscripts use a big word for sensuality. They call it licentiousness. We learned that big word, licentiousness, what's that? <laughs> this means you have a license, or you think you have a license to do anything you want. So, we got to be careful. Philippians chapter 3, verse 18 and 19. Many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly or their appetites, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. How many know, dearly beloved of God, that you and I should weep for the lost? When you're praying, God puts someone on your heart or in your mind to pray for them. I hope to God that if they're not saved, that you'll have a sense of sorrow for their souls. There's a famous pastor, I believe it was Charles Spurgeon, he said uh, something to the effect, and I'll paraphrase, that uh, a man of God or a preacher or a pastor shouldn't be preaching to people if he can't weep for people. I'll say that again, a pastor or a man of God or a person who's uh, leading the flock of God shouldn't be in that position if they can't weep for people. And I thought, you know what, that's a very profound statement. We should be moved or stirred in our hearts when we encounter people that are not saved. It bugs me like crazy. I'm, I had to drive to Phoenix uh, last week and, and I'm sitting there talking to my friend and I'm trying to think, what can I say? How can I bring up the conversation? Are you saved? And, I, and my mind is like, God, I know we're, we're talking about all kinds of stuff. God, how can I steer the conversation? God, help us to steer the conversation. Can you say amen? Oops. Uh, sorry, forgot verse 3. And there's another way you can tell. They're greedy. They will exploit you with false words. And their condemnation from long ago is not idle. Their destruction is not asleep. There's another way you can tell false teachers. They just want your money. A lot of people say that about church. Oh, church just wants your money. No, we don't. God doesn't even want your money. God wants all of you. Can you say amen? God wants all of us. They'll try to take advantage of you. In the King James, it says they'll make merchandise of you. In the Phillips translation that says they'll exploit you with bogus arguments. And this is a funny word. Uh, uh, in the uh, King James, it also uses the word uh, false words, feigned words, make-believe Artificial words. They'll make stuff up that's not in the Bible. Hallelujah. And they set their mind <clears throat> on earthly things. And in verse 4, he says, continuing the thought about um, destruction, if God, and here's all the examples that Peter uh, writes about, if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell, committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, here's one example of uh, disobedient beings 
If God did not spare the angels when they sinned, when did that happen? Does anybody know? <clears throat> angels are created beings. They have free will, but they are not created in the image and likeness of God. So they can't be saved. Only humans can be saved. Jesus did not come to earth as an angel. He came to earth as a human. Only humans can be saved, not angels. In Jude chapter, verse 6, he says the same thing. The angels did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling. And God has kept them in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. You can read about that in Genesis <clears throat> chapter 6. Hallelujah. Judgment. They were sent to a place called Tartarus in the Greek. It's the only time that this word is used in the New Testament. It means the abyss. Excuse me. In Luke chapter 8 verse 31, Jesus encounters a demonic uh, individual and the demons say, Oh, don't send us to the abyss. They're whining and uh, he, he, they, they complain to Jesus, Are you here to torment us before the time? Wah, wah, wah. Poor little demons. Don't send us into the abyss. Okay, where do you want to go? Send us into the pigs. These Jewish people aren't supposed to have pigs, number one. So Jesus says, okay, go. So they go in the pigs. The pigs run down the mountain and drown in the sea. And then the whole city comes out to see Jesus. And instead of saying, man, that's awesome, Jesus. You set the guys free. They were lunatics. They were demon-possessed. They were homeless people. Lifting all oh, filthy. And, and there's different uh, scenarios that had happened there. And instead of saying, Jesus, that's awesome. Man, that's great. These guys are set free. Now they're going to be productive members of society. They say, Jesus, please leave. Says, okay. You don't want me? And Jesus will do that. You don't want Jesus? That's fine. Jesus won't force himself on you. Glory to God. And so they were sent to the abyss. One uh, commentator said that this, that oldest manuscripts uh, use um, a different Greek word meaning a pit. Another Greek manuscript says they use a word meaning dens. But the basic uh, idea is that they were cast into the kingdom of darkness. How many know that when you're saved, born again, you have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his glorious light to the Lord God in whom there is no shadow of turning and no deception at all. Glory to God. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, Jesus will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed. Let me stop right there for a minute. Everyone who does not obey the gospel is cursed. Jesus came to set us free from the curse of sin. Jesus came to set us free from the curse of sin. It specifically says that He became a curse for us in order to set us free. So that the handwriting of ordinances that was against us has been removed. Glory to God. And Jesus says those that aren't saved, you're cursed, go into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. One of the scariest scriptures is that Jesus says, on that day, I will say to them, I never knew you. Glory to God. We want to know Jesus. We want Jesus to know us. Can you say amen? 
<clears throat> All right. Verse 5. He did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald or a preacher of righteousness, with seven others of his family, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. How many know we live in an ungodly world? There's a lot of ungodly things happening. He was a preacher of a righteousness. Um, in one translation, it says that Noah was God's messenger who told people about the kind of life that God approves of. That's your and I job. To tell people. Paul's defending himself before King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26. Jesus tells him that I'm going to send you to the Gentiles to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And he was not disobedient. He declared first to those in Damascus that people should repent turn to God, and live for God. God's patience waited in the days of Noah. Verse 6, He turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, condemned them to extinction or destruction, made an example of them, what's going to happen to the ungodly. Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 49 and 50, tells us what the sin of Sodom was. Pride, fullness of food, they had no need. Abundance of idleness. They did not help the poor and needy. And in Genesis chapter 13 verse 3 it says they were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. They said, no God. We should not be indifferent. Verse 7 and 8. And he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the licentious conduct of the wicked. And he lived among them day after day. He was vexed or tormented in his soul over the lawless deeds that he saw and heard. He could have moved, but God had a purpose. He could have moved, but God had a purpose for him being there. They, uh, they were unrestrained. Praise God. Hallelujah. In Genesis 19.9, he said they, they say that this guy came to stay here as a resident alien. He keeps acting as a judge. We're allowed to judge. Can you say amen? But he was vexed. Psalm 119 verse 136 says, My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not follow your law. In verse 158 of Psalm 119, it says, I look at the faithless with disgust because they do not keep your commands. In Ezekiel chapter 9 verse 4, he's having a vision and, he's, and uh, the Lord tells uh, one of the people in the vision, go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem and put a mark on the foreheads of those who sigh and cry over all the abominations that are done within it. In Acts chapter 17 verse 16, Paul's waiting in Athens and it says his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the whole city was full of idols. It should bother you and I that people aren't saved. Can you say amen? And the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. Thank God for that. Can you say amen? In chapter 10 verse 13 of 1 Corinthians, Paul says no temptation has overtaken you. That's not common to human beings. God is faithful. Say it with me. God is faithful. 
Hallelujah. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Matthew Henry said, No plans or politics can keep off judgment from a sinful people. Sin is already its own penalty, according to Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown, but hell will be its full development. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. I hope that in your private prayer time, you're praying for our country. We need God in this nation. Can you say amen? But glory to God, Psalm 34, verse 17 says, When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Jude chapter, or Jude, Jude verse 24, Pastor Wayne's favorite verse. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless or blameless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. I don't know about you, but I could use some exceeding joy. There's a verse or a song. Um, I believe uh, John Wesley wrote it. Uh, joy unspeakable and full of glory. These people... Those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion despise authority. There's a good one. A lot of people are like that. They're bold and willful. They're arrogant and presumptuous. They're self-complacent. They're foolhardy, self-willed and daring. They do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. They think nothing of scoffing at the glories of the unseen world. They aren't afraid to insult God. There's a lot of people around that are not afraid to insult God. Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 22 verse 28. Here's a rule. You shall not revile God nor curse the ruler of your people. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 through 4 Paul says, Therefore I encourage first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of our God and Savior who desires all men to be saved to come to the knowledge of the truth. We'll end here. Whereas angels, though greater in might and power than human beings, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. There's only one individual who accuses us before God, and that is the accuser of the brethren. Satan, the enemy of our souls. Punishment is coming. Chiefly, especially to those who are like that. Glory to God. He desires all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. Numbers chapter 12 verse 8. God says, I speak directly to Moses. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And I'll close with this. Second uh, Timothy, First Timothy chapter 2, which I just read. Pray for those in authority. Pray for Pastor Wayne and I. Pray for those that are volunteering and leading in the church. Pray for our government. Pray that God would touch lives and hearts. Pray for the lost, that God would save them. Pray for judges to make godly decisions. Pray for this nation. Pray for other nations. 
Pray, pray, pray. And then we'll close in prayer this morning. I hope you got something out of this morning's sermon. Uh, personally, it takes a lot of work because I'm going to be responsible to God for what I teach you. So I hope and pray that you got something this morning. The bottom line is God loves you. So let's close in prayer this morning.